You're listening to the Beaver Tales podcast, which features exclusive interviews with former Oregon State student athletes. We talk about what they did at OSU, what the transition was like away from college athletics, and what they're passionate about now. Here's a little taste of what's coming up on this episode. It's tough to be comfortable with being vulnerable, right? I think once I got to a point in my life post-football, my biggest leap in growth came when I realized that I didn't have to have it all together. I could be vulnerable. I can call people and let them know that I'm struggling. This is the Beaver Tales podcast with Josh Wharton, who has covered Oregon State athletics since 2013. Thanks for joining me, everybody, on the Beaver Tales podcast. I'm Josh Ward and got a really fun guest for you today here on this episode. A former defensive back for Oregon State finished out eight years ago at OSU, and he was a team captain in 2013. I've actually had two team captains on that same squad in 2013 recently. Had Grant Anger on recently, now a fellow team captain, and Rashad Reynolds, two-time All-Pac-12 Led the conference in interceptions in 2013. Two fumble recoveries for a touchdown against Boise State. He's played in the NFL with the Jaguars, Lions, Bears. Spent four years in the league. Now lives in Arizona. Rashad, thanks for coming on the podcast. How are you today? I'm great. I'm great. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure to have you on a little bit and kind of go through your story and memories at Oregon State. Give me a quick snapshot. We'll come back to more how you got to where you're at now, but just give me a quick snapshot of what life in the what uh, what a day in the life of Rashad looks like and what, what you're doing right now. Um, currently, you know, now I I am married. Right, so I have a wife and, and two kids. Um, I'm, I'm sure just like a lot of other people, I'm working from home. Um, but the beauty of it for me. Malisha, I've been working from home for the last two years. So um, even prior to the pandemic, um, I've been working from home. So I, I guess a day in the life is really more so I me mean, waking up, you know, working, and then, you know, attending and, and helping with, um, you know, the kids around the house and you know, taking my son, who's now seven, to, you know, various things, whether it's you know, sports or piano or anything and things like that. So I guess that's more so the, the whole day in the life yeah. of me at this moment, yeah. Wow, two kids at home. How, how did you meet your wife? Was that at Oregon State? Um, how, how did you meet your now wife? Yeah, so we actually met. Uh, we've been I've been knowing her for probably twenty years now. Oh. So um, grew up in the same, you know, grew up together, um, and then and officially got together in high school and been been together ever since. So um, been together for a while now. Wow, that that's amazing. That's great, and two kids together as well. Um, that's that's a, a lot for you, and, and I hope it's been a fun story for you as well. Uh, one son and one daughter, or two sons. No, you said it right the first time. Yeah, I, have, I have one son, um, one daughter. One son, one daughter. That's great. We may touch on family stuff as we go along, but let's come back to Oregon State memories a little bit and go through your story. You are the most recent. MVP in a bowl game for Oregon State 2013 when you beat Boise State. Oh, wow. And uh, so you still hold that mantle. And I hope someone else takes it from you at some point soon. Hopefully, Hopefully this year. Hopefully this, this is going to be the year this year. And you'll you'll gladly pass off that to, to someone else. But I'm curious, in that game in particular, that 2013 season was a weird one because you – you win six games in a row at the start of the year. Well, technically, you you lost to Eastern Washington to start out, but we we don't need to talk about that. So you win you win six in no, a row. No, no, no. <laughs> so you're six and one, and you're already bowl eligible seven games into the year. 
And then you lose five in a row, and, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, gosh, they, did they stumble in a bowl game? They got no momentum. You might think that on paper. And then you come out and you, yeah. you beat Boise State soundly. You got the two touchdowns on defense, and you look great. How, how did that happen for a team to lose that first one, Eastern Washington, win six in a row, lose five in a row, win a bowl game? You don't see that very often. What was that like behind the scenes as a player? Oh, well, you know, of course, I feel like, you know, on our outside looking in, you'll see, you know, as a roller coaster. Of course, for us, you know, that first game was traumatic, right? No one expected that. We, of course, didn't expect that. Um, so after that, you know, we, the, the leaders of the team, I recall, like it was yesterday, myself, Brandon Cook, some other guys, we, we got together and decided to have a team meeting, right? Um, because, you know, the year before, we had a great, great year, right? We still had a lot of guys from that team there, so... Um, we kind of just, you know, called a team meeting, you know, basically brought everybody together, and I think that kind of helped spark that that six game run, right? And then coming to the end of the year, I guess it was even more so. We lost a lot of close games. You know, look back at the the scores. I know people probably don't remember all of them. We lost a lot of close games to the, you know, the bigger schools at the time. Even Oregon, you know, we had them were ahead up until the last what. 15, 20 seconds of the game when they scored the go-ahead touchdown. So um, there was a lot of close games those last five games, right? So we could have easily been 5-0, and right, those last five games. And um, coming to, you know, Boise, we just wanted to make sure that we ended uh, the year, you know, correctly and, and then, you know, in a good way. So that way um, it gives you, builds momentum, right, for the for the team moving forward and also uh, for the seniors and um, guys who were you know, expecting to leave wanted to end on a good note as well. So, it, was, it felt really good to be able to to do that, you know, in, in the season that way, especially given, like you said, how it was so up and down. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of good teams that you played at the end of that season, so it's not like, you know, you were playing poorly by any means, and you were still playing well and, and finished out on a good note and finished your career with those two touchdowns and set a record at Oregon State that had never been done before, two fumble recoveries for a touchdown in one game, and that's how you ended yeah. your career. Uh, I'm curious, since, I mean, you talked a little bit about the the – team meeting that you had the players meeting you were a team captain in 2013 I don't think I've asked many guys or any guys for that matter about being a team captain what that was like some every team treats it differently sometimes it's more of a symbolic thing you just name a couple players but you know a lot of guys are you know generically leaders sometimes it's oh that team leader he's the guy or those you know three four guys whatever it is how did you approach the status of team captain, the type of leadership you had, how did you approach that, especially in 2013? Yeah, so so for myself, it definitely, definitely, you know, um, held a lot of importance, right? Like you said, um, I believe, you know, my, myself and, and Brandon were, were more so um, the guys as far as leading in a sense of, um, you know, being in, not just being in people's face, but be able to vocalize that, right? Leading by example, but also being the guy that's going to you know, pick you up, right? be the guy that's going to you know, get on you if you need to, and, and vice versa. So we kind of um, made sure that not just myself, but we, we both kind of um, held, you know, held that as in something that was really important, right? So um, that you know, for me, being one of those guys meant a lot. Um, so, and I know a lot of the younger guys at the time looked up to me, you know, not just from me half starting two years before, but also, you know, being one of those guys that play really well, right? Um, so I knew that the team, teammates, coaches, um, were going to rely on the gentleman that they chose as 
captains because it's chosen, you know, chosen by them. So, uh, but for that to happen, you know, obviously meant a lot, and um, you know, we had to make sure that we did our best you know, to help lead and and make sure that you know, we're on the right track. Yeah, that, that was a great team. A lot of good names on there uh, that you brought up. There's a couple names on there uh, that that. I want to also ask about beyond football. So for you personally, you played quarterback in high school and, and defensive back. You were a four-time wrestling city champ, four years varsity basketball, and you competed in two sports at Oregon State. You ran track as well. A lot of guys did that, even though there's not officially a men's track team, but like Marcus Wheaton, James Rogers, Jordan Bishop. I had Oboom Guachim on the podcast recently. He jumped over seven Boom. feet. <laughs> Boom is, is crazy. How did that work? I mean, I, I don't think you had a coach. There was no program. Did you used to go and compete at a couple meets. How did that work to compete for track without a program at Oregon State? Yeah, so it 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 was um, definitely interesting how it came upon. So I, you know, myself and, and my Marcus, we're really close, right? I don't know, remember Kenan Parker, mm. some other guys there at the time. Um, we were really cool with the cross country coach, um, and if I remember correctly, call correctly, I believe his name is Kelly Sullivan, right? So we were really cool with him, and we we just you know we both just often just talk randomly, just talk about different stuff. And um, one day we, we thought about, like, man, what would it, it be like to go to run track? Yeah. Right? He's like, well, we don't have a team, but you know, I'm sure if we got some guys together, we can make something happen. So, you know, we actually brought it up to the football coaches. And that was something that was completely new, right? Nobody has done that in a long time. So even for them, it was something that was out of the blue. Um, and then, you know, I, you know, it all worked out well. The football coaches agreed that we can do it, right? Um, and then the guys that was interested, you know, we all we all took the time to, to practice. We did mostly practice with the cross country coach, um, but most of us are, you know, most of the other guys, I should say, ran track at a high level. Right for myself, I, I did it one, you know, one year growing up, so it was something that was new to me. But um, you know, we all just basically trained with the cross country coach. We would go to the high school, local high school for Valley High School, or even run on you know Reacher Stadium uh, for practice and do different things like that. So. Um, it was definitely interesting, uh, fun, new, exciting, you know, all, all at once because we felt like we were going to, you know, possibly be the guys that can help bring back, um, you know, a men's track team at Oregon State. You no, know, it didn't happen, but still, you know, just to be able to um, do that with our guys felt, you know, felt really cool. Yeah, that that was pretty fun to kind of follow that. Do you remember where you got the the actual racing uniform, all that? Because I'm I'm guessing they didn't still have the ones from the '80s. How, how did that work? <laughs> no, so we um, we, we kind of helped pick pick out everything. Honestly, um, there was a magazine. I remember the magazine with different you know different uniforms and different options. I should, I should say, and um, we all kind of um, chose the ones that we thought you know, that we liked the most and. Um, they ordered it for us, right? Kelly Sullivan, some of the other guys, they ordered it for us. And, um, and after that, everything else is history. So we pretty much got it from, um, the, the women's cross country coach. Yeah. Uh, that's pretty cool. Speaking of other sports outside of football, even though that's what you're most remembered for at Oregon state, the Oregon state uh-huh. men's basketball team recently made a run through the NCAA tournament, got all the way through to the elite eight. And I'm guessing you were pretty glued to the television, not only because, Hey, you know, it's Oregon state. That's fun to watch your old school, but 
a more particular storyline uh, that has you in mind with Gianni Hunt being on the team, played really yeah. well in the tournament, got a lot of playing time, and a family member of yours, I believe your cousins. Tell me about yep. your relationship with Gianni and being able to watch him in the tournament for Oregon State. Oh, man, it was amazing. It's like you touched on, I think in that order, right, given that it's Oregon State, by all means, I don't care what sport it is, I'm going to root for him, right? And then it gets that extra bonus when you have your, your family member, which, you know, he's my first cousin. So um, having my, my cousin there uh, was even that much more special. And to add on to the story, which is ironic, I recall when my junior year, I believe, either my junior or senior year, uh, he came up to a game. Right at the time, he's, he's what, 10 years younger than me? Maybe, yeah, 10 years younger than me. He comes up to a game. I remember giving him some, you know, giving him some, some gear, some shirts, a shirt, things like that. And he told me, he was about, at the time, what, 10, something like that. He said, I'm going to come to Oregon State. Wow. He told me he's going to come to Oregon State. And then fast forward, you know, 10 years later, I'm seeing him play, you know, in the Elite Eight at Oregon State. Uh, it was pretty crazy. And, you know, it's definitely a blessing to be able to, to watch him live out his dreams, have fun, and be able to go on a run like that, um, especially when it was, you know, unexpected. Um, they actually played some really close games this year as well. You know, they some of the close games that they lost before the Pac-12 tournament could have won another, you know, the other way as well. So, um, seeing them catch fire like that was was special, and I'm happy that those group of guys, you know, got to be able to to do that because, you know, not too many people can say that they they had a run like that. When he told you that about a decade ago, did he have football in mind, or is he imagining himself, I'm going to come to Oregon State like you, but play basketball? Do you know what he had in mind at that point? Oh, it was it was basketball, for okay. sure. He yeah. was, at the time, he was, you know, big, you know, at the, in the basketball circuit, playing AAU and things like that, um, because prior to that, he was a soccer guy. So, mm-hmm. at, at the time when he said that, he was already all in on basketball, so the fact that he went there for that is, you know, it's, it's crazy. And, um, you know, I, I will never forget that. He was, I lived at the time on Grove Street in Corvallis, which is right off in the Western. And um, I remember telling me in my apartment that he was going to, to come here and commit here and um, to see it happen. Like you said, 10 years down the road was, was pretty surreal. Yeah, he, he's a fun player to watch, kind of plays with a chip on his shoulder. You can tell he wants to shoot the ball whenever he gets a good distributor, too. And uh, he's a he's a, a spry player. Um, uh, let's come back to your story a little bit, playing in the NFL. Tell me about your experience in the league and what you took away from it as an athlete and as a person in those four years you got to spend playing professional football. What was kind of your main takeaways from playing in the NFL? Oh, man, um, I, I learned a lot all my time in the NFL. So going into the league, you know, being like you know, mentioned earlier, the uh, all-pack 12 guy leading the, you know, the the league and in, in, in interception and all that other good stuff, right? I'm expecting, you know, going to the NFL combine, going to all-star games, expecting to get drafted and then don't get drafted, right? So I started off like, you know, with that same chip on my shoulder that I had going to Oregon State, I feel like it kind of relit that fire, right? Um, and then, you know, just Going from college to everything is so um, tight knit. Those are really like your brothers. They're going to a business in the NFL. It was a complete culture shock for me, right? I'm sure like any other rookies, it's it's different, right? Playing in, in a league, um, of course, you know you you when you're on the field with your brothers, you want to be the best you can be for them and, and you, but also know that it's a business, right? So um, that kind of was a big change. 
right? And I think the biggest thing for me learning is just that the fact that business is business, right? You got to be able to separate your emotions from it, right? Because I know my second year personally, um, I struggled with that, right? I'm thinking, you know, I did good my rookie year. I'm supposed to come in and, and, and be a guy, but, you know, in business is about what have you done for me lately, right? Not what have you done in the past. So um, that's one of the main things that I think that I took from it. Um, and also, you know, with, with anything, if you want to be successful, you got to commit yourself to it. And, um, you know, that's, I think being at that level with the best of the best, right, realizing that, you know, the smallest things can become large things um, are probably three of the main message, you know, lessons, I should say, that I took, you know, took from uh, playing in the league. Yeah. That's one of the parts of, you know, I always ask about when, when that stage of your life came to an end, whenever football or basketball or whoever, whatever guest I'm having on, when their playing career mm-hmm. ends, it's kind of, okay, what comes next and who am I? And maybe, you know, yeah. maybe you already started to think about that during those four years because it wasn't always exactly what you expected it to be. So maybe you already realized, okay, this isn't going to last forever. But when that moment finally did come, whether it was one specific day and you realized, okay, football's done, or if it was kind of a process of realizing, okay, I'm probably going to transition away. Whenever that time period was where you realized, all right, I'm, I'm moving on from the NFL. I'm not, I'm not going to play competitive football anymore when that happened were you ready for that no <laughs> i was not ready just like i can say probably 95 percent of other athletes yeah right um are not ready probably even higher number and you know when, when you're caught up in a sport you've been playing it for you know for myself i know i started when i was five you're so wrapped up in that your identity is that right so when you're done with that just like you said earlier you know, you realize, you know, who am I as a person? What do I like to do outside of this, right? Um, me personally, I wanted to kind of break away from the game and, and um, in a sense of not coaching, right? I did try to train a little bit, like, at the end of my, my years playing, but a little really more so so that I can, you know, still be able to train for myself as well, right? So um, once I removed myself from the game, it took me literally, and, and it really took me about a year and a half to, to really, uh, I, I guess you could say, Get to a point to where I knew who I was. You know, I better understood who I was, um, and I had a better understanding on or clarity on you know, the direction of my life and where I was going to go. Right? Um, I couldn't pinpoint, you know, things ideally exactly. I should say, um, but being able to, you know, go through that transition, right? Um, it was really tough. I, I can say it's probably the toughest time of my life. It wasn't nothing. You know, I was wasn't depressed or anything like that, but. Um, it's definitely time when you're lost, right? You're lost. And for me, you know, and just I'm sure other athletes, you know, you haven't been, have probably never have felt that, that feeling before, right, of complete, you know, being, being lost, which why, in my opinion, a lot of athletes, you know, that, that coach or that play go back to coach because it's just something that's familiar and easy, right? Um, so, you know, it was definitely a transition, but, um, you know, after coming out of it and, and you know, having time to reflect on me, right, um, it definitely um, was something that, you know, for for me, um, it, it it it's weird to say, but it holds like a special place in my heart because um, for myself, you know, I know it's probably going a little bit off topic, but it makes me think about, you know, what can I do moving forward to help other athletes, right, have a better transition post football, or post basketball, or post whatever sports you're doing, gymnastic, whatever that is, right? Because, you know, looking back at it, it's like I'm, I know for sure I wasn't the only one 
that was going through that. And what helped me get out of that, I believe, was talking to others that went through it or that were going through it at the time. And um, I think, you know, just knowing that you're not you know, going through it by yourself is something that's, that's huge for, for all athletes. So I know I'm going a little bit off topic, but I want to make sure that, you know, I said that because um, it's extremely important in every athlete, you know, not just those who uh, stop playing professionally, even those, you know, some who stopped doing it in high school who thought they were going to go to college, right? And at every level have, you know, dealt with that. And, um, you know, it's definitely something that I feel like needs to have a little more attention, you know, um, put on because it, it's, it's, it can be something that can make or break some people, you know? So, yeah. 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 Not off topic at all. That's exactly what I, what I was curious about. And I, I, I kind of know what you're talking about, that kind of the difficult part, but it's also kind of fond in your memory because it was a growing time for you. I, I remember, you know, when I was, I played basketball at your old training grounds at Corvallis High School, and I remember tearing my ACL and I missed my senior year. And although it was difficult, I actually have really, fond memories of the rehab process and watching the team play and not being a part of it because it was something to overcome. It, it was a thing to endure and be a part of and still be able to do that well. And I actually remember that time well and, and have good memories of it. And so mm-hmm. I appreciate you saying that about, it may have been a difficult time for you, but some good memories mixed in there as well. And if I can ask a little bit further, it, you said, you know, it took you a while, a year and a half maybe to figure out who you were if you can kind of say, and maybe it's hard to pinpoint, you know, what that is, but in terms of who that person was, you know, once you realize who you were, if I can ask, who was that? What what were the things you learned about yourself and maybe the things you want to share, if you can give advice similarly to other athletes who will go through that phase, but what was it you learned about Rashad Reynolds that you maybe didn't know before and had to create a new sort of identity? What What were those things that you learned? Got it. Um, and that, by the way, that's a great, great question. Great question. Um, I, I would say, you know, going through that transition, one of the, the biggest things that I learned is, is being an athlete is so hard to do this. I, so hard to do this, especially, you know, I don't care if you're, if you're an athlete, you, it's, it's tough to show and be comfortable with being vulnerable. Right. I think once I got to a point, um, in my life post football, and completely remove myself from the game, no coaching, no training, none of that, right? My growth, my biggest leap in growth came when I realized that I didn't have to have it all together. I could be vulnerable. I can call people and let them know that I'm struggling or I let them know that, hey, I, I don't know what I'm going to do next, right? Um, and being comfortable enough to do that. Um, I think a lot of us, you know, it's just being athletes, period, your ego, people get caught in the way. So I would think my, my biggest advice for anyone that, you know, are going to go through it, and I don't care who you are, however long you play the game, whether it's one year, 10 years, 15 years, you're going to go through it. Some is just going to be, you know, a little uh, more extreme than others. Right? So I would say, you know, that was probably my biggest thing that I took away from it is, is learning to be vulnerable and, and asking for help if that's okay. Right? You don't have to have it all figured out. You don't have to, you know, be the macho guy or, um, you know, things all the time. So, um, and then honestly, just just going through, I think what made me also help me along the way, I tried a little bit of everything, right? Um, I was trying to figure out like what kind of jobs do I want? Do I want to work nine to five? And I had to really like sit back and, and picture my life. Like, what do you want my life to look like? Right. Um, do I want to work for, you know, four to 500 company wear a suit every day? Right. I tried that. I got into the, you know, um, financial industry, right? They were giving me to be a financial advisor. 
I, you know, took my test and, and you know, did all that stuff. You know, was actually doing that for a good year, and you know, just things like that. I had to, you know, think about what I what I wanted to, what what did I want my life to look like. And then once I started doing that and just trying almost everything under the sun that I, I felt like I had interest in, um, and then you know, whether I stood there or not wasn't the, the goal. It's really more so just the scene was it for me because it's something I've never done, right? So um, I think you know, doing that as well was huge for me, right? To be able to eliminate, right, nine to five or eliminate working at home every day or eliminate, um, you know, going to the office every day, I should say, right? For me personally, I got to a point where I realized like, hey, I want to work from home. At the time I had a kid, right, I'm like, I want to find a job that makes you, you know, makes you work from home. So I tried different industries that was, that will allow me to do that, right? And then from there, you know, it kind of um, helped guide me in the direction of finding you know, the certain, whether the path that I, that I wanted to go down. And, um, you know, I think those would be the, the main, right, two things. One is being okay, being vulnerable, asking for help. Um, you know, and, and the second is just trying trying things. You know, don't, you know, don't be afraid to, to put yourself out there. Um, I think that was another big thing for me. Um, and then uh, lastly, and most importantly, having a support group um, of people that was going through it. You know, uh, there's a lot of guys that I played with or that I was also in school with the Oregon State that I talked to um, that was going through the same transition. So to be able to talk to people about it, you know, um, was, was really huge um, in, you know, in kind of bridging that gap and, and I believe, you know, speaking that process of, of, you know, I guess finding myself in that sense. Yeah, I really like that because, you know, a lot of people may think, oh, if I don't have the job that's going to perfectly lead to the next step in my dream career, then it's not worth it. And mm-hmm. I think you're a, a living testimony that, hey, you can kind of dabble in a couple things. Is this really going to boost myself to the next step? I, I don't know what it'll lead to, but, you know, I think it's worthwhile in of itself and to teach me some things and to, to gain a lot out of that. I, I think that's a, a really beneficial way to look at it. Hey, I got one one last topic. I don't want to take too much of your time, but it's a, a topic I definitely wanted to touch on with you and so let's close with a question or two on the the idea of you know we're we're in this weird covid times where i i hope we're down in the home stretch of it and i know uh, yeah i'm i'm curious for you based on what you've already reflected on and learned um, from how you yourself have handled the last 13 ish months how you see uh, culture, society being shaped and things you've learned about the community you're in, this country, um, and what you think is going to be kind of key going forward over the next few months as we hopefully transition to something better. Uh, what's has kind of been your main reflection and, and the thing you hope both for yourself, your community, people at large will will hold on to? Um, what's something that you've been thinking about a lot as we move towards perhaps a, a big transition here? I think to, to answer that question simply, right? I, I will elaborate. But simply, is the last one of the last words you said is transition, right? Because I feel like you know, in the last year or you know, year and a half or so, that had two major transitions from you know pre-pandemic now to like what you said, like well, I guess three pre-pandemic to during the pandemic, and then now hopefully the way is you know hopefully everything is going back to normal, right? And then going to the post, I feel like. There's been so many major transitions in so many people's lives that I think that can cause some problems for others, right, or for people, that's to say, because in a sense that, you know, you got to think for people without working, going to the office every day, 
pandemic happened, you, you end up working from home, right? Your kids end up being at home. You're, you're either homeschooling them. I know for myself, my wife, we're actually homeschooling our son. He doesn't do the online, but then you have some people who do online teaching with the kids, right? So to have a, a big shift like that and having to work from home and now have your kids at home and then having to make sure that they're doing what they have to do with, with school, right, and everything like that, to now, you know, things are starting to open up again. There's so many major transitions that um, I think, you know, I don't know how it's going to happen, but I hope that, you know, we're able to, to kind of bounce back in a way to where it's not too detrimental, right, to people um, and, and the kids as well. You know, you got to, you know, think kids were used to going to school and now they're at home one time. That's a major transition. I know for myself and my family, it, it took some time to get used to doing that, right? So, you know, I just not really worried, but we really hope that um, the transition is as easy and as smooth as possible, you know, for for everyone in, in the country because, um, you know, we all have been through a lot of, a lot of stuff in this last year and a half, um, you know, from jobs, basically telling people that, you know, you're going to work from home permanently now and things like that. So that's changed the dynamics of a lot of people's life. Um, and then, you know, honestly, just kind of touching on, you know, uh, people, I guess more so people around me and um, those directly close to me, all the the climate, that's, the stuff that's been going on in the country. Uh, what those who I guess you say look like me, right, are in this similar um, arena. Um, it, it's been you know a lot, you know, a lot these last year and a half, right. But also to see you know people come together um, and, and see that through it all, right, we got whether it's good or bad, right, we remain set to hold on to the principles, whether whoever you are, that that kind of keeps you who you are, right? Especially when times are hard, I, I think that's what's going to help um, not just my people, but the whole uh, nation um, come back to normal, you know, being normalized in a sense of post, um, you know, pandemic. So I know it's, it's a lot of, there's probably been a lot of heated discussions and, and a lot of discussions period about um, just the pandemic and this effect on everybody, right? So, you know, um, I thank you for asking that question because, uh, you know, I could have went so many different ways with it, but I definitely think it's important to, to touch on the transition of people as well as just the climate um, of, of everything going on with, you know, just the, the unfortunate things that's been going on around the country. Yeah, that, that transition is coming, whether we're ready for it or not. And so it may as well be ready in, in multiple respects, multiple transitions within each other in different areas of culture. So I'm glad you shared that. Thank you for your thoughts on that. And thanks for your time, too. Uh, you know, Great conversation. I look forward to Oregon State making it back to a bowl game and some other defensive back getting two defensive touchdowns. We can say Rashad Reynolds, the, the second most recent player to be MVP in a bowl game. So thanks, Rashad, so much for your time and coming on the podcast. I really appreciate talking with you oh no problem josh thank you for having me so much it's definitely been um good to revisit some of those great times and memories um at oregon state and thank you thank you for having me on well, there was Rashad Reynolds, former Oregon State cornerback, went on to the league and a thoughtful guy. You know, we, he had said kind of before the conversation, you know, I, I asked that question not completely out of the blue, that last one about transitions 
and things he's reflected on. I, I asked that because I knew he would have some thoughts on the matter. He had said as much uh, before we started recording, so I knew he would be able to, to elaborate. Um, you know, it's not an easy question to just get thrown at you if you weren't really thinking about it, but I knew Rashawn had done some thinking on the matter in multiple regards, and I bet he could have gone on a lot further, um, but uh, you know, he, he wanted to to make it concise and, and a lot packed in there for sure. And a fun player too. I mean, what a, a stellar era of Oregon State football. And I've been honored to have a few different guys from that era on the show. His fellow team captain, Grant Anger and Oboom Guachem. And if you look back at the, the history of this podcast, I think Rashad's episode 111, a lot of guys from that era when I was watching and covering Oregon State football at that point for the barometer. And um, it's been fun to watch it ever since. And to get back to a bowl game in 2021 in the fall season, uh, it'll happen for sure. That's going to that's gonna be the case. Um, by the way, I think this will be the last episode I'll do for the Beaver Tales podcast for a while. On this channel, you'll start to see Dynasty in the Woods pop up right here. The Beaver Baseball Documentary Project. Been working on this for the last year. Sort of my pandemic baby project. And uh, so it came out really well. I just finished it covering the Beaver Baseball Team, the 2018 National Championship. It's a documentary style podcast, did 67 interviews, a lot of editing, put music underneath it, script writing, narrating. It's basically like a, an audio book, but more cinematic almost. So I um, hope you enjoy that. If you give that a listen, first episode comes out right here on this channel next week on the 28th, and I'll upload a new episode every week for the next 18 weeks, and you'll get your fill of beaver baseball and beaver sports. Uh, that'll come out soon, Dynasty in the Woods, so stay tuned for that. Again, I'm your host, Josh Worden. Thanks for tuning in to the Beaver Tales podcast. Thanks to Rashad Reynolds for coming on. Good luck to Gianni Hunt and the men's basketball team as well going forward to, to next season. All right, until next time, everybody, good night and go Beavs. <laughs>